0: And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah, I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Alright, good evening. Tonight we're going to start with uh, a little story from the Bible, a story that Jesus Christ told. Uh, a really wonderful story. One of the first stories that I remember hearing when I was a kid. And it's in Luke chapter 15 that we'll turn. And this is the story, or the parable, of what is erroneously called the prodigal son. But as we see this, as we read it and understand it, it's really about the forgiving father. It's a story about this family, these two sons. Um, I was going to use names, but then it just uh, it doesn't really... And then you put one guy out and you put another guy in another position that you don't want. But there's these two sons, an older son and a younger son. And the younger son goes to his dad and says, I want all the money that that I for for an inheritance. I want all the money that would that I would get. And then he goes and it says he wastes it with riotous living. He wastes his substance with riotous living. So he goes out and he goes and parties parties all that money away. And he gets to a position in his life where there's a famine in the place where he lives, and he's broke because he spent all his money on all, all the stuff that uh, just wasted all his money. And then he ends up being in the worst job that you could ever have. Like, you know, like in our society, it'd be like cleaning septic tanks or something like that. The, the job that nobody would want. And it was the pig feeder. And he, he was in this position where he was feeding pigs. And then not only was he feeding pigs, he was eating the food that they were eating. So <clears throat> it's, he's not in a good position. In Chapter Fifteen of Luke, he comes to himself in verse seventeen. It says, "And when he came to himself, he said, "How many hired servants of my father <clears throat> of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger?" So he gets to the point where he's just starving, and he goes, "Oh my gosh, I, 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 even even the servants of my father had more food than this and a better standing than this." So he comes up with this plan. He says, And when he, uh, in verse 18, I will arise, here's my plan, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So he's like, okay, I got this plan. And he arose and he came to his father. So he's heading back to his home. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. So this means that the father was looking. You don't just happenstance, see somebody who's coming afar off. You're looking for somebody who's coming afar off. And when he comes, he runs to him, and he falls on his neck, and he kisses him. He embraces him. And uh, in verse 21, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. So he's giving him this spiel. But the father said unto the servants, he just interrupts him and says, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. So they have this huge barbecue. He gives him back his clothes his standing as the signet ring and all these things he gives back to his son his son was coming back and just gonna you know with his tail between his legs i'm so sorry just let me sleep in the barn anything but feeding these pigs but the dad doesn't even listen to that he embraces him and he brings him back to the the full standing as a son and it and he says uh kill Jesus uh, feet, let us eat and be merry for this My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So everybody's happy. But then there's an older brother. Now his older son, his elder son, was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. He heard this party that was going on. And he called one of the, the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was really happy that his brother got back. No, you would think he was, but he's really angry and would not go in. You ever been that angry at, that your parents treated your brother a little better than they treated you? And you're like, oh, no, I don't even want to see my parents right now. I don't even want to go in. I've never been that way, but I, I, know, I know people have. Maybe my brothers have been that way with me. But he was angry he wouldn't go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. So the dad comes out to him and talks to him. And he answered said, and said to the, his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gave me a kid and, uh, that I might be merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son which was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should be merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. So you see the compassion that the father has to both the kids, to both the sons, and sometimes, we, I, I know I've been part of both of those sides of the, those coins. I have been the prodigal son where I w- didn't want to listen to my parents, my physical parents, but also not to God. And then I came, I came around. And every time we get out of fellowship, it's like that. And we like tuck our tail between our legs. Oh, you know, you can go to God like that. And then there's the other side where <clears throat> we've been walking with God for years. And we, you can still enjoy the things that God has for you, when you're, you know, just like when you first got in the Word, the excitement, when you've been in the Word for 10, 20, 30, you know, 40 and up, up, you can still have that excitement, that joy and that, that you know, bask in the presence of God and have those parties and have that enjoyment of all that God has in store for you. So, tonight we're just going to have, it's just going to be a nice uh, teaching, a nice, calming, peaceful teaching on how we can build our relationship with God through prayer. And I'm just going to go through, the first half of it is just going to be talking about how great God is. It's going to be talking about the relationship that, that God made available to us and how we can continue to build that relationship and have those parties with God as we're going through our days, as we're going through our life. So take your, uh, your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. We're going to go through a couple of psalms here. In Psalm 139, we'll turn. God's a personal God, and He knows, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, and we can, we can trust Him because He knows us better. There are things where God will know us better than we know ourselves, and we can ask Him to help us to know ourselves, help us to know what's going on in our lives, because sometimes we don't know what's going on. Because our heart can be deceive us. But God will never deceive us. So we're going to enjoy some truths about who God is and what He's done for us. In Psalm 139, verse 1, it says, The chief musician, the psalm of David, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou knowest my thought afar of off. Thou compassed my path. Am I lying down and art acquainted with all my ways? So God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows what we're going to think before we think it. He knows all these things. He knows our frailties. He knows that we're dust, as it says in Psalm 103. He remembers that our frame is not perfect. And it says in verse verse 8, just a little extra in here, If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. So no matter where we are, you can be in the you know, the greatest place in the world or the worst place in the world and God's still with you. Take your Bibles to Psalm 62. God's heart yearns for us to call on Him, to pray to Him. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to, us to come to Him. He wants us to talk with Him. In Psalm 62... In verse 8, it says, Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is, our re- God is a refuge for us. Selah. We can pour out our heart to God. We can pour out our heart. Another usage of that word pour out is when the prophets of Baal, they cut themselves to their gods and they, their blood gushed out. Now, God doesn't want us to gush our blood out, but it puts a picture in my mind when I thought about pouring out our heart to God. You know, God wants us to talk to Him, to tell us, tell Him things that's going on. God knows what's going on, but it it blesses Him to hear it from us. It blesses Him to hear from us and so that we can talk with Him and pray to Him. In Psalm 34, God's... God's in the business of delivering people, of setting people free, getting people out of bondage. In Psalm 34, we see in verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from some of my fears. No, it says all of my fears. He delivered me from all of my fears. God's in the business of delivering people. The other thing that I, I love about this, it doesn't say... God waited for me to, get, to not be fearful before he helped me out. If you're in the fear, you say, God, I need help. I need help out of this. And he heard. It says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Take your Bibles to, to 1 Peter chapter 5. God cares so much for us. He cares so intimately about us. It says that he's numbered the hairs on our head. You know, for some of us, that's easier than others, you know, <laughs> but it's a figure of speech, meaning He knows intimately parts of us that that it's just, it's so intimate how God knows us and cares for us. And in 1 Peter 5, it's one of my favorites, it says, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. God cares for us, so we can cast that, and that the two words care are two different things. That first one, it's derived into the word anxiety. Cast your anxiety, things that are holding you down, things that are frustrating you. Cast them to God. You don't have to carry all that stuff. You don't have to be burdened down. It's been in God's heart throughout all of history that He wanted a family. He wanted to have a family. He wanted to have sons and daughters that would come to Him, that that would... have a relationship with him, a father-son or father-daughter relationship. And it's a really amazing thing to see what God accomplished. And we'll turn to Ephesians chapter two to see some of what God accomplished. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ came and made available a relationship with God that was tighter than what David had or those guys in the, in the book of Psalms. He made a sonship relationship available. He made righteousness available. And we'll get into that in chapter two of Ephesians. What I love about all of chapter two, I recommend reading it. We're not going to go through all of it, but what I love about it is it kind of sums up Romans. The, The entire 16 chapters of Romans are just summed up so nicely in chapter two of where we were. We were dead in trespasses and sins without God and without hope, but God made a way through Jesus Christ. And we'll turn to uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 11 is where we'll start. It says, Wherefore, remember, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You know, I have two sister-in-laws at this point that are both not American citizens. They were—they're One is, is from Mexico and one is from uh, Canada. And the amount of money they had to spend to become American citizens, the amount of time that they had to spend and all these, these uh, things. Right now, my brother's trying to help his wife get into the States from Mexico. And it's so interesting to think about because they, we were strangers from the commonwealth. We were strangers from God. We were aliens, you know, at the, like an illegal alien, somebody who is not as a foreigner in that land. We were that way, and we were without with no hope and without God in the world. In verse 13, though, it says, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh, or made close by the blood of, Je- of Christ, for he is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain or of two one new man, so making peace. So at one point we were enemies with God, and, and we were enemies with the, you know, there was the Jews and the Gentiles, and then another type of person has been made is the church of God. When you could get born again, you're no longer Jew or Gentile, but you're the church of God. And it says uh, in verse 16, And that he might reconcile both Jews and Gentiles unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh, for through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So Jesus Christ came and He made this peace with God. That there's no more loggerheads. There's no more enmity with God. And He reconciled, which means to bring back together that which was severed, you know, to make things compatible. You know? And when, we <clears throat> when God brings that stuff back together, reconciled it through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ made access to God through that spirit. When you believe Jesus is Lord and God raised Him from the dead, you have access to God, direct access. Uh, Take your Bibles and turn to um, Hebrews chapter 4. So, we became righteous. When you get born again, you become righteous. And as we're learning in this Galatians series, it's not by the works of the law. You can't be righteous it's by believing on Jesus Christ. And righteousness is our God-given, the definition is our God-given ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of sin, guilt, or condemnation. So we can stand before God. We don't have to have our tail tucked between our legs. We can go to God at any time, at any time, and we can talk with Him. We can pray to Him. We can pour out our hearts. We can ask Him to help us get out of fear. We can... Um we can claim the promises that we have. Uh, also, <clears throat> to receive anything from God, we've learned uh, you know many times, to receive anything from God, you must know what's available. There's five keys to receive anything from God. You must know what is available. You must know how to receive it and what to do with it after you got it. And then your needs and your wants have to be parallel. And God's willingness, knowing that God's willingness equals His ability, knowing what's available from God is so important, and knowing what's not available too. You know, sometimes you can pray amiss because you don't know what's available. But as we understand more of the Word, we can know what's available from God, and we can pray for things that are available. And we'll see more of that uh, in as we keep going. But in Hebrews chapter four. It says in verse 16, let us therefore come hesitantly unto the, oh, oh, it says boldly unto the throne of condemnation. No. No, gosh, no. Thank God that that's not the case. It says to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need God's help. And we need that grace and that mercy. We need that. There's those times of need where we, are, we fall short and we need that. We need to be able to come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help and get that and get help. And that's available. That is what it is available. And it's available. How do you receive it? You go to God. You, you talk to God. You ask God for help. According to Matthew 6, 8, you don't have to turn there, it says that your father's talking about prayer in the, in the context and having the, heart, the right heart for prayer. It says, your father knows what you need before you ask. You know, God knows what we need. It says he knows our thoughts are far off. He knows what we need before we ask him. Now, that, that always blew my mind because if God knows what we need before he asks us, why doesn't he just give us everything we need? in one room in our house like everything you'll ever need all the food you ever need all the clothing all the you know if you just do that you know then there's no relationship with god he just dumped it all you know he brought it in a u-haul or you have it in a you know a special room or whatever but then you don't have that intimacy of i need this and you pray and god comes through and then you know that god will take care of you it's, what, it's why God took the children of Israel, it took them 40 years because of the unbelief of the, the, um, the elders, but every day that next generation got fed, every single day. He didn't give them manna for 40 years. He gave them a manna every day. And then on one of the days, He gave them twice the portion. And if they saved any, it got rotten and, and maggots grew in it and all this stuff. They had to go each day, day by day. Because that builds trust in God. That builds the relationship with God. So if God knows what we, ha- what we need before we ask Him, why do we have to ask Him? Why, why would we have to ask Him? And it's, it goes back to really freedom of will and also the way God works. God's not going to give you stuff that you, don't, that you don't ask for. He's not going to force things on you, blessings on you. It says that once you start practicing the principles of God's Word, one of them being abundant sharing or tithing, He'll give you so much you can't handle it. That's just how God is. He has all this that He wants to give us. He wants to spoil us, but we have to ask Him. That's what He wants. He wants that relationship with us. Just like a, a parent, you know, they want their kid to come to them and ask them for things. Uh, so we allow Him to work in our lives when we come to Him. It, all, it builds that relationship. It builds believing. And on top of our relationship with God, prayer has some other benefits. On top of building that relationship, it has benefits. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll see some benefits of prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's, it's like... I don't know if you ever had you like a best friend that you hung out with and you did all these stuff together, whether you were just doing nothing or doing exciting stuff or getting into trouble together. You just wanted to be with your best friend. You know, <clears throat> a lot of times everything, it's its the way it is with God, but even greater because God can go everywhere where you are and you can enjoy wor- walking with God and talking and working with God at, at your job or when you're driving or when you're... All these times when you're taking a shower and you can do all these these things where God is, He's there and you can talk to Him and you can pray to Him and pour your heart out to Him. And that's what He wants. In chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, it says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So that these are, the all these four words are translated prayer in another place in the Bible. <clears throat> Every single one of them: supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. So why did God use these these four here? You know, He just kind of threw them in there, right? He, he just hodgepodge. No, He had a reason for why He put those. The word supplication means specific prayer requests. It's like with our Facebook page where we do these specific prayer requests when things come up, and. <clears throat> where we can pray for somebody's life. We can pray for healing of a certain person, of their liver or of their you know, eyes or whatever, and they can be specific. Or if you need a job or if you need a car or if you need a house, those are things you can specifically pray about. And then prayers, prayers in this basic form is talking with God. Talking, but it, it does have believing involved. It's not just talking to the air. You are believing when you pray. Intercessions is praying in the stead of someone. It's only used one other time, this exact Greek word, but it's also used, a derivative is used in in Romans chapter eight when it talks about speaking in tongues, when it talks about you know not what you pray for as as we ought. So there's those times in our lives where we do not know what to pray for. We do not know how to pray for this, you know, a situation or a person because we don't know what's going on and we can speak in tongues. And that's a whole other teaching, but that's, it's important to know how to speak in tongues and know that you God also wants us to speak in tongues too, and that blesses him. And then giving of thanks. Uh, it's so important to come to God with thanksgiving, just being thankful for stuff, but also with your needs, that God is going to supply your needs. You give it to him with thanks. It's like when James was, I was looking through videos, when James first met Sam, so this was like a year ago, he was a little baby, uh, James would say thank you for everything. He would what he meant was when he wanted something he would just say thank you, thank you. And he was so cute you couldn't help but give it to him. You just wanted to to, to give him these his, the blanket in the case he wanted this blanket, and he would just say thank you, thank you. And you guys remember that that was a, that was a fun time in his life. Now now he says a lot of other more eloquent things, but. When you just have that childlike believing and you thank God for things, you thank God for things that you don't have yet and also for things you do have. If you have a running car, I don't know if you've ever had a car that wasn't running, like wouldn't turn on. I'm so thankful every time I turn my key, I don't have to like, you know, my heart skip a beat, you know, I can just turn my car on and it goes. Just so thankful. Thankful to have a healthy body. Thank you. Thankful to have warm food. I don't know if you've ever been out in the wilderness for a while and you didn't have warm food for... You know, you had preserved food and it was never cooked and never, you know, um, never heated up. You just had to eat it from the packaging. It's, I'm so thankful for that, but I'm also very thankful when a home cook, with a home-cooked meal. And it says, it doesn't say stop there. It doesn't say pray. It says pray, uh, supplication, prayers, intercessions, giving thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now, this is opposite what the world says. The world says, you know, especially with kings, in our case it's presidents or governors and all this stuff, it just says You know, talk really bad about all the ones that you hate and, you know, love the ones that you love and all that stuff. But in the Word, it says to pray for those. And now there's times where you can pray with your understanding. And there's also times where you just have to speak in tongues because you don't know what to pray for. You really don't. But we can pray and we can stand in the gap for, you know, our community, for our city, our state, our country, for, you know, for the world. We can stand by praying. And I think about the example in, I was recently reading Rome, uh, Acts chapter 12, and there's some serious bad stuff going on in Acts chapter 12. The, the leader's name is Herod, and he kills one of the, the brothers, James. He kills him with the sword is what it says, and then puts Peter into prison. And then there's just all this stuff going on, but they're praying, and an angel gets Peter out of jail and all this stuff. And it's so amazing that in the middle of this crazy stuff going on, this crazy you know uh, little region where this king is doing all this, this stuff that's really bad, they were still praying, they were still speaking the word, they were still moving the word. And it's available in, in whatever circumstance to continue to do that, to speak the word, to have, it says, lead a quiet. So the word quiet means free from all agitation or disturbance. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) Isn't that the opposite of anybody talking about politics or talking (laughs) about the government or kings or anybody, leadership in any way? Like This is so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. So quiet is free from all agitation or disturbance, not disturbed by others. Isn't that great? (laughs) Wouldn't that be great if we had more of that? Tranquility arising, uh, and then uh, peaceable means quiet or tranquil. And then godliness, it means having a true, vital, spiritual relationship with God, as opposed to religion, which is an outward relationship, an outward, you know, that you have the right candles and you have the right um, things that you do, but it's not a real relationship with God. You're not on talking terms with God, um, so to speak. And it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So it's acceptable to have these things. To, and we can have, as we pray for those in authority, as we pray for all men, as we pray for when situations arise, specific prayer requests, and as we pray you know, to God with thanksgiving, and we have those intercessory prayers, it makes a difference in our life and in the people's lives around us. It's a really great thing. And there's many more things that prayer does. There's many more benefits of prayer. But those are just a few that I wanted to share. So I'm going to close with an album of verse. There's an album of verse, and it's called Take Time to Pray. I got up early in the morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled around me, and heavier came each task. I whined, why doesn't God help me? He said, you didn't ask. Mm-hmm. I groaned and shouted and grumbled. I tried every key in the lock. I, tr- I cried, why doesn't he open? He said, son, you didn't knock. So I got up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish. I had to take time to pray. Yeah. <laughs> you can't bring me down. No word is on my mind.